Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. This morning on The Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. All right, it's a Tuesday. We are back, and we're broadcasting live, as always, from the drivehubler.com studio. He's Kevin Bowen. I'm Andy Sweeney. Elijah Roberson, no Mark Dykton, hanging out with us today here on the Wake Up Call on the fan. Hopefully, everyone had a, a fantastic Christmas weekend. Maybe you're still off work. I don't know. It's Christmas Day Part 2, I guess, uh, around many households in the area. And KB, a good morning to you. I sit here, and I look at you in the eyes, and I realize we're going to have to talk about a stinky Colts performance. <laughs> Not too much better uh, from the Pacers. Hopefully you and yours had a good weekend. How'd yeah, it go? I, I'll be honest. I feel like emotionally drained, hungover. Elijah's like, you look tired. I'm like, Elijah, why don't you go bleep? No, yeah, no, no. He's, a, he's a dad with two young kids, Elijah. Okay. And uh, there's I think he's fights right, and crying and bad sports all weekend. Yeah. in the bad sports, uh, I think dominated certainly Saturday into Sunday there of what you saw the Pacers now loser six of seven they are in Houston tonight Rick Carlisle will join us here coming up uh, we'll bump him an hour with them on central time and then you know Sunday Andy I I, I thought that was the worst performance of the season you know given the opponent uh, I think is context that you need to put in there I found it odd that Atlanta well I guess maybe not odd uh, but the Falcons uh, biggest lead all season had been 13 points and they were pretty much in control of that margin through the entire second half, obviously winning that game by 19. Most uh, points they've scored all season. Uh, just a horrendous day tackling uh, offensively. What a great day for Michael Pittman's contract negotiations. <laughs> no kidding. And I think your offensive line has just been too Jekyll and Hyde here late in the season. It's a group that's built to be your strength, and, and you can't have the up-and-down nature that now we've seen, especially in these last two road games, Cincinnati a couple weeks ago and then Atlanta on Sunday. So two weeks to go. Uh, if you beat both the Raiders and Texans at home, that should be enough. It's not a guarantee though. And we'll get more into this as the week moves along. Um, but still the margin for error is uh thinning, thinning, thinning like my hair used to. Uh, so, you know, I've just looked at different scenarios for the Colts and there's no way for us to give that to the people on radio. It's so damn confusing. It really is. All the different things that could happen in all the different seatings. And it wasn't, I want to get into this. It wasn't the worst weekend because of what happened around the Colts. There were some losers. Obviously, Denver losing a big part of that. Uh, Cincinnati, what happened to them, the Texans, and C.J. Stroud. But, you know, it is rare. And this is how I feel about leaving the Atlanta game on Sunday, KB. It is rare that you leave a game and usually you can pick out a couple positives. Right. You know, that guy, yeah. you know, that guy has three sacks or, you know, such and such made a couple big plays down the field or, you know, Juju Brents had two interceptions and a forced fumble. There would be something to where we could at least fit in between all the negativity, some positivity. I don't see any of that. Coming yeah, I, from Sunday, do you? I don't see not not one percent. I mean, they didn't tackle well. I mean, the game was in Minshew's hands. He didn't play one of his good. I mean, he didn't play well at all. They couldn't run the ball. We went in talking about Atlanta's defense, and they couldn't run. You know, they couldn't run the ball. A costly, and you wrote about this. A costly penalty on special teams, which led to a touchdown. I just 
just a mess from players and coaches and being dialed in or lack thereof. All the things you wanted to see this weekend from the Colts, they didn't do. And then, you know, we talked about if there was a game to lose, okay, yeah, it's an NFC game, yada, yada. I understand. But still, you are the Colts and you are playing for something in your you're a bunch of underdogs, quite frankly, with a backup quarterback and, you know, unproven guys who are trying to make their way defensively. I don't think there's a redeeming quality about what we saw, other than if you're a Colts fan, they were so bad, they can't be that bad this Sunday in Lucas Oil against the Raiders. Either way, just a really bad performance on Sunday. Really disappointing. Yeah, it's funny. I um, I do a podcast, uh, and on the podcast recapping Colts games, I always do what I liked and what I didn't like. Because I think, and you know, I think our show kind of indicates that on the Mondays and now today being a Tuesday. And recapping games, it's never all good, it's never all bad. That's just kind of how NFL life is. You know, if you are the Raiders yesterday and you just beat the Chiefs, I mean, what a great win for your franchise. This and that. Well, on a list of what Raiders fans would not have liked, I would say Aiden O'Connell not completing a pass in the final three quarters (laughs) is probably near the top of that list. Like, it was a great win. But again, as they project to Sunday with the Colts, right. Aiden O'Connell's going to have to complete more than one pass. Right. Like, you understand what your team's about. Quarters. Sure. So, if I look back on Sunday with the Colts, the only, I have one individual that I'm going to put in the I liked category, okay? Un individual. And that would be Kylan Granson. Yeah, he had Five a good game. Five catches for 62 I guess yards. He would be the one, yeah. With how the Colts' <laughs> tight ends have produced this season, that's a, a, that's a great game. And throw Will Mallory, I guess, in that list, four for 47. That's it. I mean, your pass catchers, I would say your wideouts, not named Michael Pittman Jr., of course. I thought it several drops of very catchable balls. Was Minshew uh, the Gardner Minshew we're used to in 2023? Probably. Um, but still, I thought there were some moments where Minshew delivered balls in the vicinity of you know balls that should be caught. And whether it's Josh Downs or Alec Pierce or DJ Montgomery, those guys could not come down with them. And again, I go back to the earlier point, Andy, of why I think it's the most disappointing effort of the season is given the opponent. We all saw the crowd shots. That place was half full. That place was a library. And when all week long, it is their future at head coach and quarterback in question. And post game, I, I found this, you know, pretty funny, honestly. Jeff Schultz in Atlanta is their version of, you know, Greg Doyle mm-hmm. or Bob Kravitz sure. back in the day. Atlanta he, Journal of Constitution, right? There you go. There you, the so AJC, Elijah. Their head columnist, and his story after the game was to follow Arthur Blank, the owner of the Falcons, to his car and ask him what the future holds for Arthur Smith. It's a good column. So you just got right. outclassed by a team that in their market – their lead columnist has fallen the owner to the car and the owner's non-committal on the head coach's future. Like that to me, this is not the 49ers or the Ravens that you just lost or the Dolphins and whoever you think defines quality football team and the missed tackling. I, I just thought it was an abomination of, and I know that some of these guys were drafted very high, but it's not like Atlanta's been doing this at all this season. Again, they have not been San Francisco offensively, offensively which I know as, uh, someone that watched the 49ers and maybe had Brock Oof. Purdy in a must-have fantasy football Oof. game last night. I am none too pleased in this Tuesday morning. But they have not been Debo Samuel, <laughs> did George he, Kittle, hey, and on, Christian did he, did he have positive points last night for you? Uh, there's no way he could have. I stopped checking at half. Okay, I was about to say, with the four interceptions, there's no way. There's, there's, there's absolutely there's no, way. no way he was on the positive side of the ledger. In the opening drive, he's got like <laughs> 70-some yards. I'm like, this is great. The other guy had Christian McCaffrey. I'm like, this is perfect. He's not even throwing it to him. 
and boom, the rest of the game unfolds how it does. So, um, again, uh, playoff margin thinning, to say the least. In simplest terms, Andy, and and it's not this simple, but this is kind of how I'll boil it down to the final two weeks. If you win these last two games, you should be in. You're very likely to be in. It's probably the better way to put it. Now, if you end up tied with Cincinnati and it's just you two, you're out. They have the head-to-head tiebreaker. Now, Cincinnati's 8-7. and seven. They are, I believe it's at Kansas City, and I want to say then it's Cleveland in the final week of the season for the Bengals. I would it need is. to double-check that. Yeah, is, it's, is that it's, right? It's in Kansas City, which used to mean a lot more than it does now. I was going to say. Yeah, they'll still the, be an underdog, but still. The Kansas City team we've seen Ooh. here lately, I'll be very curious about that one. And Cleveland, they could be locked into a seed. So that could mean Miles Garrett's resting, Amari Cooper's resting. So... Uh, that is, I, I think, in simplest terms, what needs to happen is you need to win out and you need to avoid a head-to-head with Cincinnati. If you get multiple teams involved, if Pittsburgh gets involved, if, you know, whatever, Jacksonville gets involved for some reason, that would favor you because then you get into conference record and that's where the Colts do continue to have a nice tiebreaker. If the Colts split, you're going to need worlds and worlds of help and it's probably unlikely that you make the playoffs. Obviously, if you lose both, you are definitely out of the postseason. So um, there will be a little bit closer look into these playoff scenarios, situations, et cetera, et cetera. But I think in simplest terms, it's this. Finish ahead of Houston, win the last two, and avoid at all costs being just you and Cincinnati together in a tiebreaker because you have a head-to-head over Pittsburgh. You know, Potentially, if you beat the Raiders, you have a head-to-head over them. Um, but some of the other... Uh, Scenarios that involve just Cincinnati are not in your favor. The other ones are in your favor. I, I just, I, I am stunned at the at the egg that they laid, KB. I guess that's what it is. I, I just. Cole in the stocking? I, I mean, just complete. They just got completely manhandled for such large parts of that game. Well, they and, and just I, didn't do anything right. I think what also stings is you couldn't have scripted a better start. No, you, you start with the ball. You finally get up seven. You nothing. go right down the field with great balance. You know, yeah. you had Mallory a couple times. Oh, Taylor's, Taylor's first two back. carries goes for nineteen yards. Then thirty-one yards the rest of the way. Is that what the stat was? I need I, to look it up. I, I think, think you wrote six, about it in others. Yeah, like sixteen for twenty-one. It was, it was I sixteen say. for thirty-one the rest of the way. It, it's just, I, I mean, I don't know. You dropped an interception. You had a, yet another special teams issue that cost you. Uh, I, I just. I mean, I, I I sit here and I sound like I'm stammering for words. I mean, Atlanta averaged over six yards per play against that defense. They just didn't bring anything. And then uh, coming up here, we'll have our check down in 7, 7.30 as well. Gardner Minshew's comments after the game where he had to come into the locker room and give the guys a speech. I mean, I guess they're a young team, but I guess these are things with us sitting here in the radio studio we don't know, and that is, were they not dialed in in that game at all? Understanding, yes, you had a subpar opponent that has a backup quarterback, but you know what? You you have a backup quarterback. You've been playing with a backup quarterback and been playing good football a lot of the time with a backup quarterback. I mean, I just, it, it is, I mean, Kyle Pitts scored a touchdown. Kyle Pitts doesn't do anything. Seemingly, we say, hey, where's Kyle Pitts at these days? I just, I am confused how how this team 
with so much to play, the underdog chip on their shoulder type mentality that they've had KB that they would be the ones that would underestimate that they would be the ones that would not play sharp football and you know I tell you the Alec Pierce drop and the Josh Downs drop both of those guys first down opportunities just you think of you know early in the game you think of the special teams penalty early in the game they just I'm stammering here because they just were not dialed in in any facet of the game and I just can't believe from the team that we have seen this season I can't you know they've been beat I felt like they've at least been dialed in right I didn't feel like I thought what we saw on Sunday in Atlanta was the first time that we saw that does that make sense that we just saw a team that just didn't have anything at all yeah, and again, I'll stress this, given the opponent. You know, I think Cincinnati, I mean, they, even without Burrow, they've proven themselves with a lot of guys, you know, skill-wise. They certainly have some defensive players of note. Atlanta, while they have these high draft picks, Andy, they haven't done this to anybody all year long. Um, and part of me kind of walks away from Sunday, and there's a little bit of loser mentality with this, but part of me is like, are the Colts just an average football team that's, Exceeded expectations, but also feasted on a very manageable well, schedule. I mean, they are. I, I mean, mean, to a certain extent. Probably an accurate description. And again, based off where they were when lost record at the start of the year, I guess that's that's still like a step in the right direction. Oh, well, I mean, it's why Steichen could be coach of the year is because, of course, this team was picked to win. I mean, the over-under well, was three and a half. Ke- well, Kevin Stefanski, yeah, no I, I understand, But you know what I'm saying. Until yeah. Sunday, you know, we had we had that conversation. I mean, I don't know. You look around the AFC, there's a lot of regular. I mean, there's some people doing and, not and very much with quite a bit. I want to be clear. When I say that, like, this is to be expected a bit. This is just kind of an average football team that, again, has exceeded preseason expectations but they have feasted largely on a sure. very manageable schedule. You look to Sunday in the two areas that you should not have grades on a scale. There are some areas that you do, I think, grade this football team on a scale. The two areas where you don't. Offensive line. O-line and yep. defense. That defense is healthy. I mean, that is a healthy defense at really every level of the unit. And that was an awful display of tackling, awful display of playmaking, and Atlanta just methodically building these big scoring drives. I mean, Andy, we're we're talking seven, eight, nine double-digit play scoring drives, first half, second half, and then again, offensive line, the Jekyll and Hyde nature to it. Uh, not just from Blake Freeland. I, I thought that was Freeland's probably worst game of his rookie season, but I thought there were other guys in that line that did not step up in any way, shape, or form. Uh, so plenty to get to on the Colts and that game in Atlanta on Sunday. Again, 29-10. to 10. Uh, Little Gas, have a good first Christmas? Yeah, man. How was everything? You know, I mean, he doesn't know what's going on, but he's getting gifts and everything. And, I mean, I told people, don't get him clothes because this dude is flying through clothes right now. <laughs> he gets to wear something about one time before he before his legs are too long for it. How was everything in the Bowen household? Everything good? The uh, Barbie house assembling uh, took How did about that go? 45 minutes on well, Christmas Eve. Uh, it, it, it went well, and then uh, Max got a Nerf hoop, and he's finishing at the rim very well in the bathtub. So oh, he, is he? Okay. Nerf hoop side of the bathtub. <laughs> oh, I love the Nerf hoop, uh, so, man. So, yeah, he, he's doing it. We're going to work on the left hand, I think, tonight. But he's doing a nice job finishing. Well, oh, I think rim. Little Gas is a lefty, too. 
Now, how about this? You know Max Bowen has picked seven straight Colts games, right? Did, did he? Okay, so he picked this one? He had the Falcons. Oh, he had, he had Atlanta? I'm trying to remember now. All the videos are starting to run together. Not, well, I can't, sure, I can't sure. remember if he picked up the Atlanta helmet or the Indianapolis helmet. He was helmet. shirt off in this oh, one. He went no. with the Falcons. He had the Bengals two weeks ago. That is seven. you imagine? I mean, Vegas should hire him well, now. Well, can we do this? Can he start making the pick earlier so we can just copycat <laughs> off yeah. him? Because yeah, I have him, no right? idea. As a gambler, yeah. if uh-huh. you tell if you tell me there is a one or two year old kid who has picked seven, you know who I will follow into the fire? Yes. I will follow uh-huh. Max Bowen into that fire. Yes, uh, I'm waiting for letters <laughs> from fans saying thank you for the 15 month old who has gotten seven straight Colts games correct. Just uh, it's just disappointing on Sun. I think that's just it. It's just. It was. It didn't have to go down like that. If you're a Colts fan, you're thinking it didn't have to go down again, after that start. Like to me, that was you punch a team that's already kind of on the ropes in yeah. the face. And then how easy was that first Atlanta TD drive? Yeah, I mean, like, you're, you're easy missing. third down pickup. Bijan Robinson in the open field. He and Kyle good. Pitts on a busted coverage. Boom, boom, boom. It's seven, seven. Now there's life. And by the way, Heineke does have a little magic to him. <laughs> How about the block he threw on Juju Brents? <laughs> well, let's let us let us see how he does next week in I Chicago. Know, I mean, it's not yeah, a lot. In, in that but game, he had a little bit. He had a little bit of Christmas magic sprinkled on him. He can in that sprinkle game. it a little bit there. Pacers Rockets tonight, Ugh. eight o'clock. It is the streaky Houston Rockets, and it's a Pacers team that's honestly streaking just in a negative way. Losers of six of seven. Rick Carlisle going to join us here coming up. At 9 o'clock. We hope you all had a great Christmas weekend, great extended weekend. Thanks for spending this Tuesday morning with us. I'm Kevin Bowen, Andy Sweeney, Elijah Roberson, and for Mark Dykedom. Thanks for tuning in. 93.5107.5. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Yeah, thanks for joining us on this Tuesday on the Wake Up Call here in Indianapolis. The fan got you dialed in. Local shows today. Query and company coming your way at new JMV at 3 o'clock. All the coverage of the Pacers in H-Town. That's what they call it in Houston. Last time I was in Houston was the Final Four, KB. I went there from Radio Row. I I hate Houston. I, I ate at a steakhouse by myself. How does that sound? At the bar by myself. That sounds very difficult to do. It was glorious. It actually, <laughs> you know what it was? It was late at night and an Astros game got out. And I'm like, you know, all the sports bars were full. I was thinking, where could I go where one man could just sit? And I'm like, you know what? A steakhouse. It was busy, but there was one lonely seat there. Uh, and your boy took Way it. Way too so. spread out for me, Houston. Oh, you think so? It's like two different downtowns. Uh, it's a wild city. It's a growing city. And uh, it's going to be Rockets and Pacers tonight on The Fan. Reacting big weekend. The Colts losers on Sunday to the Atlanta Falcons. We'll keep talking about that. And then on Saturday, you know, this really, if we if we would have known, not that our picks matter, but I, I would not have felt the way that I felt, and I'm sure you are the same, 
about this game had we known that Michael Pittman was not going to play. He did travel with the team. He was there. He was, you know, had sunglasses on indoors. I would imagine that's you know because of lights and all the the different things that can happen with a brain injury, concussion, whatever it may be. What is your read of the situation here? Because it looked like he was going to play. He was cleared. It was good news. And then boom on Saturday, he's going to go with the team, but starting to have symptoms again. He doesn't play on Sunday, and you see the top two leading, you know, I could say pass catchers for the Colts were tight ends. Will Mallory uh, and Granson there, both guys not usually at the top of the box score when it comes to yards and everything else. What is your read of the situation? A big week. They got to get Pittman back, or we saw that defense and what that defense can do there in Vegas. Well, again, it's very unusual to see a week unfold like it did for a guy in concussion protocol, and then all of a sudden, the day of travel, he's ruled out due to having, I, I thought the term that Shane Steichen used postgame was relapse into the concussion protocol. Um, so basically, this is how the week unfolded for Michael Pittman Jr. Uh, we know he exited the game against the Steelers due to that big hit. Um, he has some memory, some memory loss from that hit. You know, doesn't necessarily remember. Re- Easy for me to say, nope. geez, on this December 26th. Does it remember? No, it's scary. All of the details. No, no it's which scary. Is very oh, scary. He said he woke up. Like, he doesn't remember. He laid out for the ball. Next thing he remembered, he was looking up and players were looking down on him and he knew yeah. something had happened, obviously, yeah, it, at that point. That's scary. And his wife and his, you know, children were in the locker room and he was, you know, very obviously shooken up about, you know, all of a sudden seeing them and seeing their emotions sure. and things like that. So um, he, with the extra day last week, the Colts, of course, had a Saturday game before the Falcons won, uh, he was able to practice, and he practiced on Thursday and Friday, was not in a non-contact jersey, so he was good to go and cleared the independent neurologist, which is the final step of the concussion protocol on Friday. And then the Colts um, find out on Saturday that Pittman had you know, developed a headache, and all of a sudden, this is again after the clearance of the independent neurologist, which is very unusual to see a guy get through all of those steps get the final clearance, and then 24 hours before the game, he now has a symptom to where he goes back into the protocol. And as you said, uh, he did travel to Atlanta, which part of me thought that was a bit unusual, but he did travel. Um, like you pointed out, he was wearing you know sunglasses in an indoor stadium. and yeah, I, I don't, yeah, So I don't know if that's the lights or what. Yeah, yeah the sensitivity of being there from a light standpoint, um, you know, the the Fox crew showed him quite often. He will go back into concussion protocol. So, I mean, he still certainly has a chance to pass through that and be ready to go. You know, we have seen Ryan Kelly. This happened to him a couple of times this season. The difference being Andy, and I'm pretty sure on this, I don't think Kelly ever got full clearance. Like, he would get to step three, maybe even through step four. He would practice, but I don't think he ever got independent neurologist clearance, and then all of a sudden he's ruled out after that. I think he just failed kind of the final step with this. So obviously the Pittman storyline continues to be front and center heading into this week. And if you are his agent, as sick as it sounds, you have to absolutely have loved the offensive output that the Colts put out there on Sunday without your client. Um, It was an absolute no-show uh, especially from the outside wideouts, which, again, I think that is the key thing to remember. Andy, Alec Pierce plays every single offensive snap. He has three catches in the game. We talked about the important drop that he had as well. DJ Montgomery plays 61 
offensive snaps. So <laughs> has one catch. Huge, huge number number for him. He has one catch. And this goes back to a storyline we had in training camp a little bit. Remember when the Colts kept just four wideouts on their 53-man roster? And the Ashton Doolin season-ending injury during training camp was something that was noted. They just lack all outside wideout depth. You know, Isaiah McKenzie and that suspension, that doesn't really factor in here. We're talking, again, taller outside wideouts. Pierce and Montgomery, you combine their stats, Andy. They played over 130 snaps. They combined for four catches for 30-some yards. 38 yards. Michael Pittman I, Jr. I does that in one half. I know. And, yeah. and so, again, Might do it in one quarter. This is where you're getting at, and not only the importance to him to your offense, but just in general, why, and you've heard it from me certainly for years now, why I think wideout depth is lacking, quality wideout depth is lacking, and this is obviously a huge storyline as you enter the offseason with Michael Pittman Jr. in a contract year on top of that. So, again, certainly to me, the Jekyll and high nature to your own line, we'll get into the de- defense here in a second, but boy, did you feel the loss of Pittman. Yeah, you did, and I I would have probably picked the Colts to lose this game had we known Pittman on Friday was going to be out. You know, we took it for granted, right? Well, he's passed through everything. He's good to go. I mean, to me, there's a number of things here. I don't understand. I'm not saying this is wrong. I want to be clear. I don't understand. Michael Pittman is dealing with these headaches and is dealing with symptoms from that massive hit. Listen, I'm not I'm not hating on him for being out. He took a massive hit. These are brain injuries these guys have. So if he needs time, by God, take your time. Why is he traveling? Yeah, and uh, I that's was what told, I don't understand. Again, I was told that he woke up with a some sort of headache, sure. you know, pain, however how ever you want to describe it. So I was a little surprised that he did travel. Yeah, I, I'm just surprised uh, that he was there with the team because, you know, hey, if it's that bad and if it's bad enough to where lights are bothering you, you don't need to be in a stadium like that. I mean, I guess you could say, well, he's going to help the teammates out, but all of that is, I mean, that didn't happen. It, yeah, obviously, and did, again, it obviously didn't happen with what happened. Are all neurologist-based doctors traveling and you want him to be around them? Again, yeah, I I, I just don't, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna harp on that. I just was surprised. It's not an ankle injury. It's not Anthony Richardson traveling with the team after having uh, a shoulder injury. There's a number of other things. They obviously don't trust Jonathan Taylor right now catching the ball with that thumb. Uh, with that hand, I mean, it must be something. Uh, he was not involved in the passing game very much at all. And then this is, to me, there are moments of clarity uh, with a season, whether this be Pittman's contract himself or just what they need at that position. Going into this offseason, every team needs something, right? You need a defensive lineman. You need a tight end. Some teams need a quarterback. We need all these different things that we've talked with the, with the Colts about. But they need Michael Pittman back bad, and they need somebody else. No, without question. Uh, I mean, yeah, and yeah, and they yeah. need somebody else. And this and, is not this is not me getting on Alec Pierce, but everyone is, falls over themselves to tell me how you know. Well, he plays every snap, and 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 what do the coaches say, and everything like that, and all of that's fine. But he is a blocking. I feel like he's a blocking wide receiver. Well, he he is a blocking wideout with a weapon to impact the game down the field, which he and, did and, one and, time. They got the pass interference right. in the and, first quarter. 
I, I just think we just need to describe Pierce accurately. He's not going to be this dominant underneath wideout. I mean, he's not. That's where Pittman, I think, really excels of a key possession guy that can routinely make those plays for you and use his physicality in that nature. That's just not going to be Pierce's calling. And again, I've said this before about Alec Pierce, and certainly we touched on it after the Tennessee game when he had those big plays over the top. With Anthony Richardson, I do think Alec Pierce can be an effective deep ball type of guy for you because that's where Richardson excels as a thrower. But to act like he's anything more than that, in particular with a quarterback like Gardner Minshew, would be foolish. So that is why you cannot, you know, I will say this so often, Andy, and I've said it so often, you can't skimp. You can't shortcut no. in building around no. Anthony Richardson. So that's why you have to add to it. But didn't and it slap Sunday him in the face? was a reminder. Yeah, I, I think it was a slap in the face. Because it was this a, is the first game it, we haven't yeah, seen Pittman it, this year. It was and, a slap in the face of, okay, Michael Pittman means this much, but now here are the other guys with Pittman not in the lineup. So it's not just his eight catches, 100 yards, and perhaps a touchdown during the game. It's not even that. It's it's how everyone else look. It's the trickle-down effect of that offense without him. And, boy, uh, I, I thought I thought it was staring Chris Ballard right in the face. Now, I'm not I'm, – listen, Ballard's done a good enough job this year to have this team two games away. They're still in the playoffs if they were to start today. And they have been that way for a number of weeks. But you see sometimes a glaring need. Hell, the Chiefs are going through it. I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs, who have been this big, bad team, they're off the Super Bowl and everything else. They've been able to let a guy like Tyreek Hill go and everything else. It has slapped them in the face that what they have tried to do with that position is not good enough. And now you see how life after Michael Pittman can be. To me, you need Pittman and somebody else to feel better uh, about well, yourself. I don't think it's like that crazy of a thought, Andy, to think, you know, right now Baltimore is arguably the best team in the NFL. Maybe they are. And what is the biggest change for the Ravens this year? Sure, yeah. I mean, they hotels, they flowers in whiteout. I mean, heavily, and they've needed it. The Lamar's going to win the MVP. I would probably still vote Christian McCaffrey, but I I tend, think Lamar's probably going to win it. Yeah, I mean, I probably I mean, it's a quarterback award. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. Brock Purdy was bad last night. Christian McCaffrey to me <laughs> probably deserves it. I want to flip over to the Colts' defense, and this to me is the one of I don't. You don't have excuses for that unit's effort on Sunday. And I think it's a laundry list of things, but I'll start with the poor tackling. I I cannot recall a Colts team that had so many tackling issues in a game. Um, Atlanta, and I've got the box score right here. I was thumbing through it before the show started just to double check. Atlanta, Andy, had nine different guys record a play over 10 yards. This was not just Bijan Robinson and Kyle Pitts dominating the game. This was a think about that. Nine different guys had plays of at least ten yards. Well, it's and Cordell Patterson. It's guys like that that haven't played a lot. But Van Jefferson had a play over ten yards as well. Scotty Miller. Scotty Miller play wow. over ten yards. Um, and they had three of them that had runs and catches over ten yards. So in total. 12 different plays of more than 10 yards. Um, This is not an offense that's been potent at all. Like I said, to lead off the show, uh, their biggest lead all season was 13 points in a game. The 29 points scored was the most for them all season long. Uh, I think it was the second highest yards per play they've had this season as well. And this was just a methodical scoring drive routinely. It was not a bunch of short fields they feasted on. It was not a bunch of, like, 
50-yard plays that you just have one coverage bust and the drive's over. It was just kind of, oh, yep, here's a little chunk here. Here's a little chunk there. They got six yards of play, KB. I thought the second half really is where everything, if you just watch the opening two drives of the second half, that told you everything that you need to know. If you remember, Taylor Heineke, Andy, what was the score at halftime? 13-7, am I saying this right? Yeah, 13-7 at halftime, yes. 13-7, Falcons get the ball to start the third quarter. And on the first play, Taylor Heineke drops the snap. Yeah. Remember that? Just (laughs) flat out drops it. I'm like, well, there you go. That's a great break right there. So now Atlanta's in second and 14. And what do they do? Throw to B. John Robinson in the flat like they did seemingly every single play. Robinson breaks a tackle. Boom. 14-yard gain. On the very next play, Robinson is bottled up in the backfield. It's going to be at least a three- or four-yard loss. Boom, breaks a tackle, and now he turns another second and long into second and five. Atlanta scores a handful of plays later. And then on the on the next drive, it was 20-10. to 10. Again, still a two-score game. You still feel like you're somewhat in it. You get Atlanta into a third and 14. This is a backup quarterback in a third and 14. And what does Arthur Smith and the Falcons do? They raise the white flag. They say it's a give up. It's third and 14. We're not going to risk anything here. We're going to throw a screen to John Smith. And the screen, <laughs> Heineke throws it behind the dude. So he doesn't even throw it in stride. It was a terrible throw. Throws it behind yeah, John, John Smith, Smith. And sure enough, there's John Smith in the open field, breaking a tackle, getting 15 yards. And right there at that point, I said, Rosie, break out the Barbie house. Let's get back <laughs> to playing with Ken and Barbie. I mean, that. I mean, that's literally where I was at that point of the game. I thought it was a horrendous tackling effort. Um, And to me, the other thing too, Andy, is when you play a quarterback like that who's inexperienced or hasn't been in the lineup a lot this year, however you want to describe Heineke, and you're playing an offense that has struggled to their point, you should have opportunities to play make. No turnovers. First time in 19 games the Colts haven't had a turnover. And the one sack was for zero yards. Is what three or four hits? So it's not like yeah. it's not it, like it's, well, you didn't get home, but you made him feel uncomfortable. Right. That's not the case. It was it's quite Franklin literally the opposite. The pick, but yeah. outside of that, I don't remember many opportunities they had around the ball. And I do think we're on you know Julian Blackman injury watch. Yeah, I think that's a bad is, one. Uh, he played that, what ninety nine percent of the snaps that, this season. That is a very it's important a guy one. to watch with that shoulder injury moving forward. By the way, uh, and Elijah, you may need to listen in to what I'm going to ask KB here. What goes into building a? Is it a Barbie castle? Did you? say or a barbie house just a house okay yeah, um it was about about 35 items of plastic kind of cheap plastic to be honest with you a lot of jamming it <laughs> together per se uh, what do you think it was going to be good stuff no I, this I, is yeah. made in china shipped over here and you buy say, for a bunch of money is, what do you think this is yeah this is but 35 keep, 45 minutes that's not that bad i mean no, i feel like it wasn't bad yeah got off pretty easy wine, on Christmas. it was it was uh okay it was solid how all much notre dame gear did you get over under two and a half items that's where i was gonna set it i actually i don't know if i got a single notre dame item was that because they were just ho-hum and football Dorito what's going socks. on my mother-in-law bought me boxers how does that sound <laughs> I hear Elijah want, laughing off camera. Do you want context around it, or uh, should I just stop I, there? No, I sure. think it's funny the way it is without the context. I think that makes I, it even better. I, I want to know the context, because anytime you get underwear, we got to talk about it. I believe it sounds a little better if you know she bought it and then gave it to her daughter to then wrap for me. Uh, it was Doritos boxers. I'm okay. obsessed with Doritos. 
I don't think I ever do your obsession with Doritos. Nacho cheese. You're just really? the, the old traditional ones. But tra- I can throw in a little ones. Cool Ranch. I love Cool Ranch. Uh, cool Ranch greater than yeah. Nacho cheese? Yes, because Nacho no. cheese gives me heartburn, so I can't eat it all that much. Oh, jeez. Oh, God forbid. How old, are, yeah, how old are you? You sound like it, me over it here. It runs in the family. We, a lot of us have stomach problems with that sort of thing, so I just well, I just got unlucky. <laughs> on the 14-hour flight to Japan coming up for you, stay away from the Cool Ranch. All right. Oh, all right. goodness. Oh, you're going to Japan. How yes, about that? Yes, I am. It's a... Uh, I would like to. I'm going to call it an expensive field trip with my college. So we're there. We're we're gone for two to three weeks. Uh, we'll be there all. I'll be there all of January. Oh, so it's, a, so it's so. an educational thing. In is a that way, what it is? in a way, <laughs> I would. I've always been referring to it as cultural education because okay. like we're not going into a classroom, but we're sightseeing and stuff and learning. Don't break any. That. Don't break any rules over there. Okay. Don't yeah. get in trouble. Thank you to Alex for that. Better than your dad buying underwear for your wife. Well, uh, Alex, I hope you're not <laughs> speaking from experience there. <laughs> How many times has that happened? Sounds a little awkward oh, on that end man. there. Uh, I bought you'll you guys will like this. I should I should have put this up on on Twitter. And again, Rick Carlisle will join us coming up uh, at nine o'clock. I want to get to some Minshew sound coming up at the top of the eight o'clock hour. Uh, I bought I bought little gas like these little Fisher Price uh, figurines of the New York Giants. And guess what showed up in the mail? The Buffalo Bills. <laughs> well, I, so I mean, it's like a twenty dollars gift. So, like, do I do I return it and go through all that? It's going to take like a month to send it. I I'm going to say Tyrod Taylor I'm showed gonna, up, but <laughs> Tommy DeVito to, did not. Yeah, boy, that was a fun story, wasn't it? Everybody, Tommy Cutlets benched, um, which well, is fantastic. Are you more confident in Buffalo or Kansas City getting on a run? Uh, da, 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 da. boy. Now Buffalo, Buffalo. Easily, easily could have lost to the Chargers. I had to say Buffalo. Don't I, they? Should, I mean, you could say they should have lost to the Chargers. And Easton is it Stick? Is that his name? Easton, Easton Stick. Stick. Uh-huh, is correct. that the? I, the Chiefs are fundamentally broke on offense, are they not? And and listen, I know you're going to shake your head. I've known you long enough. You is don't it be- possible we get Chiefs Bills around one? You don't believe it's possible. You don't believe in these curses. I don't think you do. But the Taylor Swift curse. Listen, I, don't roll your eyes because it may it may have happened. Wait, walk since, me through this. Since I, Swift, I, I don't... Here it is. Since Swift and Kelsey started dating, the Chiefs are three and four. Kelsey has one touchdown. They lost to the Raiders. So the Swifties have this ability to control the outcome. I, I believe. I believe that's this the is case. Not Kadarius Tony. I don't. I don't believe it's any. You can't blame Kadarius Tony for that one. I mean, they are fundamentally a broken offensive team, and I cannot believe I'm saying that. I mean, they beat New England 27-17. They beat Vegas a month ago, and since then, they've been bad on offense going all the way back before Halloween. They, they were, we were questioning their offense on you know before Halloween what was wrong with the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, again, the Colts need the Chiefs' help coming up this weekend. They host Cincinnati. Um, a lot of people have asked, and we'll obviously fill you in on this info throughout the week moves along. If the Colts finish 2-0, and Andy, right now you got four teams at 8-7. and Colts, Texans, Steelers, Bengals. Colts and Texans obviously can't both finish at whatever, uh, you know, 10-7, and whatever it is, because they play each other in Week 18. If the Colts and the Bengals have the same record and are tied for the final playoff spot, right now the Colts are in because it's a jumbled four-team tiebreaker. If it comes down to a two-team tiebreaker, right, they would not get in. That is the one scenario. You know, a lot of people are like, do they control their own destiny? Well, they are likely to get in if they win the final two. Cincinnati is at Kansas City, and Cincinnati has Cleveland is their other game. Now, again, Cleveland could be resting. They could be, yeah. So that is something just to monitor here over the final two weeks. And I know probably 95% of our audience says, Kevin, the Colts have enough to worry about. 
with the Raiders and the Texans. I fully understand that, but just to keep you updated on the playoff standings, you do not want to be involved in a one-team versus one-team tiebreaker with Cincinnati. You want multiple teams involved because when multiple teams get involved, it goes to conference record, and with the Colts losing on Sunday, that's an NFC loss. So they continue to have one of the better AFC conference tiebreakers if that is needed. So uh, that'll probably be the first of 37 times we go over that here over the next few days. I'll have that up in article form up on our website, 107.5 The Fan as well. Rick Carlisle, in an hour, we'll continue the Colts conversation, give away a pair of Butler tickets to their game with UConn coming up a week from Friday. We'll do that in a bit as well. It's Wake Up Call, KB and Andy. Elijah filling in for Mark Dykton here on this Tuesday morning. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. And 9 o'clock hour, thanks for joining us. Thanks for waking up with us. It's the Wake Up Call. KB and Andy hanging out with you. No Mark Dykton today. Elijah Roberson hanging out producing today's effort, as always. Broadcasting live from the DriveHubler.com studio. One more hour to go. Going to get Rick Carlisle here in just a second. Reminder as well, uh, the Pacers, they are on the road tonight in Houston. 7.30 pregame, 8 o'clock tip-off there in H-Town. Catch it right here on the fan. All right, let's go on out to the Payless Liquors Hotline. Head coach of the Pacers, Rick Carlisle, joining us here on this Tuesday. Coach, good morning. Happy holidays. How are you? Likewise. Happy holidays. I'm well. Well, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Uh, big game tonight there in Houston. Uh, was it a good Christmas? I know you guys, obviously, you're worried about your play on the floor and traveling and everything else, but did you did you at least get a little family and friend time over the last few days? Yeah, Christmas was wonderful. Um, it was a day to, uh, <laughs> you know, really reflect on uh, all the all the good things that life has to offer, family and et cetera. And um, really, an interesting day weather wise, and it, you know, pretty pretty know. warm um, and stuff. So it was great, and uh, <clears throat> we um, we left around 5 p.m. Eastern time or yeah, Eastern time yesterday to come down to Houston. So now we're obviously here and you guys have the right name for your show, the wake up call. This is, this is uh, an accurate, <laughs> an accurate description of what you guys do. Well, it's tough to wake up coach uh, on well, central on the, time zone. On, for on, coach well, right that's here. a great point yeah. on the Tuesday after Christmas. It's like Christmas day two. And I'm in here staring at Kevin Bowen in the eyes. So that's what, that's what we're doing. Are you, are you a glass half full or empty with your team right now and how they're playing? Let's start there. Oh, I'm always, I've learned to be a, uh, a half full person. Really. I think you have to, you have to, you know, you have to look at your team. You look at your um, the pieces you have to work with. You have to find find the very best in what those guys 
are, what they can do, and then um, you know work at work at plugging them in to succeed. Um, you know, individually, yes, but more importantly, you, know, you got to do what's best for the team. And so uh, we got a great group of guys. Um, I've said that really consistently all year long, and um, we're starting to get a little healthier, which is good. And um, so you know. We're, we're going to remain positive. This stretch, Coach, again, Rick Carlisle joining us here. It's Pacers and Rockets tonight, 8 o'clock here um, from a local standpoint, 7 Central time. Uh, you guys have lost 6 of 7. W- what do you point to as some of the reasons for this uh, recent rut? Well, obviously the schedule has gotten um, much more difficult, and we knew it was going to, and it's really not getting any easier at all. I mean, Houston's playing well. Um you know, Chicago is is playing better basketball. Um, New York had a big win yesterday. You know, at home against Milwaukee, and you know, then we're into the new year and we're playing Milwaukee twice, and then you know, Atlanta and then Boston twice. You know, so it's um, there's no bargains with the NBA schedule, and if you look ahead too much, <clears throat> you know, it can it can get a little <laughs> pretty daunting, I guess, and so. You know we gotta we gotta stay in the present and we gotta we gotta continue to um, to work on the things that we need to work on and obviously uh, we've been working on on defense more um, in, a, in, a, in a more concentrated way in the last week or maybe a little longer than a week and uh, we're gonna continue to do that. When you guys look at that defensive end of the floor, I think there's a no maybe one of the higher fouling teams. Uh, in the NBA through the first, you know, 25, 30 games so far. Um, what do you kind of put into a reason why you guys are one of the higher fouling teams this season? Yeah, it's true. Um, size is an issue, and we just we just simply got to get better, um, you know, with our team defense, with our positioning. We've got to show our hands more. Um, you know, a lot of our a lot of our fouls happen with with reach-ins, and you know, you just uh, we have to avoid those moments where you just are, are in the wrong place at the wrong time, and um, or, or just have a, a lapse of concentration. And uh, and we've shown in recent games that 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 we can do that. Um, you know, the we had the day de- we had the practice. I guess it was. Yeah, it was the day. It was a week ago today. Right. You know, I was talking. I remember talking to you guys, and you know, talking about the fact we had a we had our first live practice for you know in, in quite a while. Uh, that helped us. We played much better against Charlotte, um, and then back to back at at Memphis, uh, we didn't win the game, but um, you know, defensively we we've held three opponents under 120, which you know. It, it, you know, in the old days, wouldn't be saying much, but when you're giving up an average of, you know, 126 or whatever it is, um, it is mild progress, and so we're going to stay on it. Rick Carlisle with us here on The Fan. He joins us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Coach, whether it be that defense that you're talking about or individuals or even as a team scoring the basketball, you've mentioned a lot of times consistency. we got to be more consistent. I, I know coaches mention that all the time. How, how do you accomplish that? How do you coach that? How, how do you guys become a more consistent basketball team? Well, you know, possession of the ball is a major part of any sport. I mean, there's no 
better example than football. Um, you know, turnovers, field position, all that kind of stuff. And in basketball, it's it's the same. Uh, rebounding is a huge part of the game. Um, and you know, ball security is a huge part of the game. And if you can if you can control possession of the game, um, and you can um, you know conserve the amount, you know, it limit the amount of turnovers and the amount of second shots that you allow, it really goes a long way toward um, helping you win games. And so, you know, we've been playing a, a very uh, high pace game um, with, and when you do that, you bring, you bring a certain amount of variance into the game um, and that, you know, the teams that can play fast and, and not turn it over are going to have an, have an advantage because they're going to score more and they're going to put themselves less in harm's way with, you know, bad, bad live turnovers that lead to undefendable transition, et cetera. So, you know, we've got to continue to study, um, <laughs> care for the ball. We have to continue to look at um, rebounding and the importance of rebounding and, so, you know, those are those are major priorities and 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 doing it in in the correct spirit. You know, a team that a team that has a real positive spirit is is a team that's always glad to sacrifice for the group for the, for their teammates, et cetera. It sounds very cliched, but it is so so true and uh we have good guys um we make mistakes, you know, because we're ne- we're men, not machines. But uh, we've got to we've got to work at always having the right spirit. And you know, on nights when you're when you when you don't play well enough, you've got, you've got to turn the page and 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 look toward the next opportunity to get better. That opportunity comes tonight. It will be eight o'clock. Uh, Pacers and Rockets. It'll be the Bulls on Thursday. Knicks on Saturday. It's what the upcoming week looks like for Rick Carlisle and his bunch. Coach, I know Jairus Walker just spent some time down at the G League Showcase. He's got a little bit of action for you here over the last couple of weeks. Uh, is he close at all to being a potential option for you from a rotation standpoint? Everything's on the table. You know, and and uh, I mean that you'll, you'll find that I'm very serious about that um, very, very soon. Um, you know, Jairus had a really... <laughs> He had two great games at the showcase. Um, and then, you know, the, then the third game, just uh, the team didn't play particularly well. He had a rough night. And so it's interesting you, you bring up his name. I, you know, Lloyd Pearson, I talked to him on the plane last night about the importance of those kinds of moments where, where you can put together, you know, two really strong games. And he put together – two strong games, I think, of both of scoring and rebounding, and the team won. And then they got into the final game of the showcase against uh, a New York team that was deep, that had a lot of young veteran guys, uh, young veteran NBA guys that were out of the mainstream NBA. Um, and those guys were edgy, and, you know, they 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 took it to us. And, you know, Juris just had a, had a game that was <laughs> – a quiet game didn't have the kind of presence that he wanted to have, et cetera. And you know, we talked to him about the, these moments where you, where you build up um, 
you know, the anticipation, you build up the excitement, uh, you've got to put that third game together. And it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go score a certain number of points or anything else, but there's nothing that says you can't be a highly impactful guy with, um, with a compete level that is, you know, just uh, obvious. Um, there's nothing that says you can't go get 15 rebounds. And if you, if you do those kinds of things, you know, scoring always falls into place. So, you know, it's, it's an opportunity to, uh, I guess it's a teaching opportunity, you know, for a coaching staff. It's a learning opportunity for a player. Um, and he's on the trip with us down here. You know, he's back at, you know, in the whole, the hometown of his alma mater. And I know he would love to play and, uh, he earned some minutes before the stint in the G league showcase. Um, you know, anything's on the table for tonight, but, but had he put together that third consecutive impactful game, I mean, the whole world would be pounding the table. And, you know, so, um, that's a bit of an opportunity lost for him, but we're only a third of the way through the NBA season. And, you know, I expressed to him last night in this conversation that there are going to be more of these kinds of moments and, and when they, and when they present themselves, you know, you, you, you've got to take advantage. I, I want to go back to something you said at the start of that answer. And I guess you, you, you double back on it kind of there later. Um, everything is on the table. I think you said something to the effect of it, and, and you'll find out very soon. Are, are you talking lineup changes? Is there anything more you can add to that specific part of it? No, not not a, not not right this moment. No, I'm not going to get it. Not going to get into all that stuff. Check back and I, I, I give you I give you guys enough. <laughs> you do. We'll know it. We'll know it when we see it. Right, Check back at six thirty Eastern time tonight, maybe for that one. Well, uh, as we as we used to say when I was working TV, stay tuned. There you go. What what a tease from Rick that, that is right that's a professional tease. Mm-hmm. They teach us how to yeah. do that uh, in radio and TV. Uh, Rick Carlisle with us, Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, how is the health of Bruce Brown right now? How much can you tell us? I know questionable for tonight. Yeah, Bruce is not going to play tonight. I uh, will break that news right now. And uh, we're going to hold him out uh, at least tonight. Um, he has a, a, a bone bruise issue in his knee that we need to get resolved. Um, <laughs> he's a guy that unless you tell him you are not playing, <laughs> he he is going to play. And, uh, you know, Josh uh, Corbiel, our, our head trainer, um, ruled him out as a, as a late scratch uh, in the game against Orlando, which was the right thing. And uh, we will hold him out again tonight um, and try to get him uh, completely 100% um, by the game in Chicago. And if he's not right, then we'll, you know, we'll, we'll put it off another game, but, uh, but he will, he will not play. And so, um, We'll miss him because he's been a good player for us. Uh, and then I guess Andrew Nemhart, he got the start the other night against Orlando. Uh, what did you think of in inserting him in the lineup and how he played 17 points, a plus 14 the other night against Orlando? Thought he was terrific. Um, you know, he's one of, he, he's, he's one of our very best perimeter defenders. Um, he is, he provides, Friction. Now he had a couple quick fouls in that game, but he but he adjusted after that, um, and he was able to really to play foul free until into the fourth quarter. So he he took 
he took two fouls into the fourth. Um, and, you know, he just uh, – he, he had an impactful game at both ends. And it – in that particular game, it uh, it provided uh, another another playmaker on the floor to start the game, which is something that takes uh, pressure off Tyrese because the you know teams are um, teams are throwing the kitchen sink at him and they're making it very very difficult. Rick Carlisle again with us, uh, eight o'clock tonight. It is Pacers and Rockets coming up again, Bulls and Knicks the rest of this week. Coach, you get some time to uh, spend with Abby over the uh, holidays. Sure did, yeah. Now she's been home for quite a while, and uh, that's been great. And she's had a, an amazing experience in her first semester at Virginia. She did very, very well in in school. I'm not I'm not allowed to talk about her GPA after one semester. I was I was warned against that by my wife, and so <laughs> I'm going to pass on that. But but uh, we're we're very proud of her, and uh, you know. It, in, in 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 college these days, the you know the the Christmas break is pretty a pretty long break, and so um, it's it's been a great opportunity for us to spend time with her. Dad notes here uh, as someone that has a three and a half year old daughter. I'm jotting down notes here. Don't reveal GPA after first semester. Yeah, I, I didn't know. I of, thought you were supposed of, to brag. College here. Anytime there is a good GPA, well, I, I thought you're supposed she to brag. Says probably goes right. I, I am I am bragging. I just can't. <laughs> Throw out numbers. <laughs> that's Very that's fair. fantastic. Fair. Smart, smart advice there from Rick Carlisle. Again tonight, it'll be the Pacers and Rockets. Our coverage is going to begin at seven thirty. It's an eight o'clock Eastern tip. Coach, I know it's early in Houston. Appreciate the time. Uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and we'll talk to you uh, in the new year. Always a pleasure. Take care, guys.